seems like forever since I've seen you, Mike Broomhead. Welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Holidays good for you? Absolutely. And you? Me, too. I was in Florida, so uh, they uh, brought back a cold with me. Everybody needs a souvenir when you go to Florida. Did you fly? Yeah. Yeah, My husband always ends up with a cold after he flies. Yeah. So it went no no problems with the airlines for me. I was very, very fortunate. So it was 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 a good trip. Right. It was a good trip. Thanks, Jamie. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, We've got so much to cover. 835, about 20 minutes from right now. The uh, DPS director, Heston, Colonel Heston Silbert, will join us. He is resigning or retiring, I should say, and will be leaving the position as of Friday. So we will talk with him about that decision and about the agency. That's all coming up at 835. We start this morning uh, talking about the elections because I was gone, but I was following very closely what was happening with the election lawsuits. Now, I, um, I've been having this argument with people for quite a while now about the elections and the lawsuits. Um, you are in two camps. There are not very many people that are in, in, engaged that don't have a major opinion on what's going on with the elections. Either you think that all of the election deniers should be never allowed to run for office again and they're just horrible people that are wasting taxpayer dollars or you're someone that firmly believes the election was stolen and um, that it's been robbed and we've got to do something to save our republic by fixing our elections. And that seems to be the two battle camps that are out there. It's interesting to get a perspective while I was gone. I was in, in Florida where I grew up and traveled across the state. My uh, my uh, nephew uh, plays high school basketball and he had a tournament in Daytona, which is about a four hour drive, four and a half hour drive from where I grew up. So we went to Daytona for the tournament for three days. And um, so I got to speak to a lot of different people and they find out you're from Arizona. They all want to know what's going on. And the perspective is very unique from people that are on the outside compared to people on the inside. But what I said, what I've said all along is that we have a system in place that includes the courtroom. And they are entitled, every one of those candidates are entitled to exhaust every measure in a courtroom to make sure things were done fairly. And so I had no problem. And when somebody says it's a waste of taxpayer money, I will tell you that when you have someone that there's an eyewitness to a crime, especially a violent crime, when you get caught with the gun in your hand and arrested at the crime scene, that defendant has every right to, do, to plead not guilty, has every right to an attorney, and has every right to a trial. Even though it's a foregone conclusion that that person is guilty, is that a waste of taxpayer dollars? So I would say to you, our system is in place. I was glad they went to a courtroom because you have to bring evidence into a courtroom. That's the issue. So come to court, bring your evidence with your lawsuits, and then stand by or live with the decisions that are made. And that's where the problem is if this is going to continue. If we are going to, I'm not saying they shouldn't exhaust all options. If that's what they want to do, they have an absolute right. Let's do it and then let's move on. But when you start seeing things, um, so when a judge makes a decision against the lawsuits, did not find in favor, in this case, Carrie Lake, let's say, the Carrie Lake lawsuit did, in, the, in the accusations, did not find in her favor, said there was no evidence, said you have to come to court with evidence. It's not what you think you know, it's what you can prove, and, this is, and, and said a lot of things in, in that way. You have to come to court with evidence. So when the decision came down from that judge... To look on social media and then people attack the judge. Well, if that judge had ruled in your favor, you'd have been thrilled. Th- that This is my biggest problem with this, with this whole thing that's been going on. Now, I will tell you this. If I were Abe, Abe Hamaday, if there's anyone in the history of Arizona elections that has a reason 
He's one of them. There's a couple of others. He's one of them. But if you look back, there have been other people that have lost very, very close elections. Um, and I'm not saying cheating happened. I'm saying there were very close elections. If you go back to one of the congressional races, one of the House races years ago when Andy Biggs won the seat that was vacated by Matt Salmon in the primary, he beat Christine Jones. You may remember when she ran for governor in the primary as well. She lost in the primary to, to what would then become Governor Ducey. Um, Christine Jones won or lost by a very, very, very slim margin in that district. And there was none of this that happened. And I'm sure she's got some pretty strong feelings of what happened or why it happened. And now you've got Abe Hamaday. If there's one person that's got a, a reason to say, you know, two and a half million votes cast and I lose by a couple of hundred. And then we're hearing about this discrepancy in Pinal County and how they counted them. So if, if you're in the camp that says everything with our elections is just fine, I think you're wrong. If you're in the camp that says elections are being stolen at a rapid pace in Arizona, I also disagree with you. So I'm getting hated by everybody. I'm not making anybody happy. But you can't look at the system and say there's nothing that can be fixed. If you're one of those people, you're not being rational. But now it's over. Look at Blake Masters. I mean, to the the credit of Blake Masters. Blake Masters was in a very contentious race. He lost the race. He moved on. I don't know what his feelings are. I haven't talked to him. But it is interesting to me, and now you look what we're going to talk a lot this morning about the speaker's race and what's happening in D.C. If we don't move on from 2020 and 2022, and I say we because, as most of you know, I'm a registered Republican. If we don't move on and find a way to win in 2024, and here's the problem. If you say with the system as it is, you can't win because it's rigged, you are going to drive voters away from the polls. Period. End of story. That's how it goes. There are there are people out there that will not vote because they believe it's rigged. Why would you vote? Why go to the polls if it's already decided? Why waste your time? And so this is something we all have to wrestle with because we all want fair elections. Are there things that need to improve? Sure. Look what happened in Pinal County in the primary. Then they had, what, a 500-vote discrepancy in the general election. 500. Look at Maricopa County and the issues they had on election day with the voting machines. There's no doubt that things can be changed to make things more trustworthy and run more efficiently here in the state of Arizona and anywhere else in the country. But when the decisions have been made and Governor Hobbs has been sworn in, she is no longer governor-elect. She is the governor of the state of Arizona. And so that's what we have to deal with. And I'm saying this respectfully. We have to deal with for the next four years. If you are someone that believes that we should have a different governor in four years, then you have to work on a campaign that makes sure that that happens. If if you... um, I'll give you another one of my favorite examples, which is a sports analogy. Um, I loved watching college football, the bowl games. I just, I love college football. And watching the Fiesta Bowl, knowing that it was going on here while I was away with my family in Florida, and watching what was going on, and that call of a non-touchdown for Michigan, and then in the very next play, they fumbled on the one-yard line, and TCU recovered the ball. What's, what's interesting about that is how many people are saying that was the difference maker in that game. 
Well, I can tell you that the head coach of that team and everybody else associated with that program has an opinion about that touchdown not being called or being um, called a touchdown. But the fact is, I guarantee you, they went back and looked at the two pick sixes and the other mistakes they made and the places where they should have played better and the places where they were just, frankly, outplayed by TCU. That's how you become a better football team. That's how you become a better program. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if it's you're looking at ratings when it comes to this show and other shows in the morning. It doesn't matter if it's you at work and efficiency. If you're the boss, how efficient your team is. If you are going to blame somebody else all the time and say that's the reason why it happened. And we can never win again because they're always against us. Then there's an issue. And that's, I mean that very sincerely because, I, A, I want our system to run efficiently. I want our system to run well. But selfishly, from my side of the political aisle, how long are we going to look back? How long are we going to look backwards and say they cheated, this cheated, that cheated? You know, we, we, don't, want to, we don't think those voting machines were certified. Now that the count is done and it didn't go the way we wanted to, now we're going to question the certification of the machines. If you had problems, if you're in charge of the elections like the county board of supervisors is, and this was uh, in, not in Maricopa County, in another county, and you're going to question the validity of the certification of the machines, why would you wait until after the votes were counted to do it? Why wouldn't you demand that it's done before? So with all due respect, I hope we're moving on. I really hope that this is the beginning of a new chapter for everybody in Arizona. And we go back to having elections and we go back to seeing who wins and move on when you lose. I think that's just the best way to treat things. Coming up in a moment, the DPS director, Colonel Heston Silbert, is going to join me to talk about his decision to leave the office this Friday. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you spending some time. Happy New Year from the Mike Broomhead Show. Joining me right now is the DPS Director, Colonel Heston Silbert. Colonel Silbert, welcome back to the show. Uh, Colonel, are you there? All right, for some reason. I'm sorry, can, can you hear me? Yeah, can, I can, can hear you, you now. Me? Yep, can hear you now. Okay, I'm sorry. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, a surprise to many people that uh, that you made the decision to retire from the agency. Can you kind of tell us what led up to that that decision? Well, uh, you know, I've, I've got to be candid. Uh, you know, a new governor was elected, and um, I think they wanted to go a different direction. And I understand and respect that process. I had a, a great uh, opportunity with Governor Ducey, but uh, Governor Hobbs came in, and I think uh, you know they they wanted to start a, a different team and and uh, build build their team, and and I think people need to understand and respect that as I do. You know the uh, the men and women on the roads. I'm sure you know this better than most. The men and women that patrol the roads of uh, the freeways and highways of of Arizona and keeping it safe in the DPS are are kind of like ambassadors to the state of Arizona. And you work with a lot of great men and women behind the scenes, sworn and unsworn. Um, have you had a chance to talk with any of them about this decision? And, and what are you going to say to them before you leave? Well, in these situations, things happen a little bit a little bit fast and that's just the dynamic so you know, this morning i'm actually writing a letter but yesterday i did a video for the department 
and uh, in the video, I just I just wanted to let them know how I felt about them. They uh, they're, they're literally the most incredible people I've ever been around. I've been in law enforcement for 34 years, and I have to say this: I, I Arizona law enforcement is unique. I call it. I, I say we're uniquely Arizona, and um, I think we're the best and the most professional the nation has to offer. And I think the men and women that I got to lead at the Arizona Department of Public Safety are the best of that. When you, uh, how was the agency change in the time that you were there? What are some of the things that have happened since you've been there that you're most proud of? Well, we we went back to basics with training. Uh, we went back to a more challenging academy. We have the highest physical fitness standards. Uh, we never lowered our standards. So I would tell you there's been a pride instilled in the agency that, um, that, that, that transcends. Um, we were just beginning to really do well with, with getting laterals, uh, new hires and whatnot, where some other agencies are struggling. We were, we were actually starting to do pretty well. And I think that speaks to the people at the agency being, being the professionals. Uh, the agency's grown since I've been there. We increased by two divisions. We now have the major incident division, which will investigate officer involved shootings throughout the state. And then we have the commercial vehicle task force but uh, the agency is made up of six six large divisions and they're just exceptional you can go from, from rapid dna to expediting the ccw process people just at that agency there is there is no barrier or wall that they will not knock down to provide exceptional service to the people in the state and and i think if you were to ask me what the biggest difference is mike i think it's pride i think pride has come back to the agency Joining me is uh, DPS Director Colonel Heston Silbert talking about him leaving the agency soon. Um, are you going to have uh, – what would you say to the incoming director? What, do, what would, After your time there, what advice or wisdom would you pass along to the next person taking that job? Well, I, I, would, I would tell them that uh, you've got to make tough, risky decisions. And um, I have a concern, quite frankly, in modern law enforcement right now that um, that law enforcement leaders are shying away from that or they take the easy road. Uh, the easy road is to immediately point a finger at the law enforcement officer and say, you did wrong. Um, I think we've inverted accountability um, in society. We've inverted accountability with regard to obeying laws in our society. And we put it on the law enforcement officer and at times given them an impossible task. So whoever's coming in, I'd ask them to have some courage and stand up and represent the men and women of the agency uh, when they're making critical decisions at critical moments. Uh, when, quite frankly, there's no background music or curtains. Uh, it's just the real thing. It's them alone in a dark, lonely corner of the state making a life or death decision. I'd ask them to stand behind their people and represent them. Uh, moving forward, what's next for you? Any idea? Are you going to are you going to stay in law enforcement? Or are you moving out of law enforcement completely? I'm not sure, Mike. Um, I, I just I got to tell you, I feel like the luckiest guy in the world, and and uh, I thank I thank Governor Ducey and the staff that gave me the opportunity. I, I've told my guys this. I feel like uh, some guy who signed a free agent contract in the NFL. And they let me stay on for for several years, and I, and I got a Super Bowl ring out of it. And uh, that's how I feel. And uh, and quite frankly, I appreciate the fact that uh, 
the manner in which uh, Governor Hobbs and people treated me in, in, in the last couple of weeks. And so I, I, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm going to gonna do right now. Uh, I think I'm going to take a minute. I had a couple operations from that wreck that I was in, and I've got to recover from them for a little while. And uh, I think after that, I'm just going to take a step back and see what uh, see what's coming. Uh, I love law enforcement, but I think there's a whole lot of different things out there to explore about in life. How has law enforcement changed? You said you've been in law enforcement for 34 years. Um, I'm sure you could have never imagined you would end up being the director of DPS here in Arizona when you started. But how is it as a profession? How has it changed in the time you've been in it? Well, I think to some extent uh, it, it, is, it has become a profession, certainly. Uh, it, is, it is not just a career or a job. It is, it is truly a profession. Um, I think we've gotten way better in so many ways. I think we've improved. I think I think there's always room for improvement in any profession. But I also, like I said earlier, I, I think society's expectations of law enforcement have become absolutely unrealistic. Um, I, I think you, you dial 911 and within seconds you have a professional come to your door who can handle any myriad or multitude of problems. But at times, I think we expect a law enforcement officer to to have a Ph.D. in psychology and counseling and everything else. And, and while it seems they do sometimes, uh, I think the realities of what's asked of them has gotten to be too far reaching. They are law enforcement officers. And I think sometimes we need to get back to narrowing that focus as to who they are. I think um, there's a great deal more support for law enforcement out there, but it's not voiced like those who don't support law enforcement. So um, I think uh, the expectations of society have changed, but, um, but I think there's been an inversion in the accountability of society that probably needs to be looked at. Well, Colonel, I just want to say thank you for always being willing to come on the show and, and talk to, to, to this to the audience, but also for your 34 years of service to your community and to your state. Uh, thank you. Seems like a very small thing to say, but we appreciate the time today, and we appreciate all your work throughout your career, and we wish you the best. Mike, thank you. It's an honor to be on your show. You are uh, an amazing supporter of, of law enforcement, and it's known throughout the state. Um, I thank you, sir, and my best to, to, to all Arizonans. It's been an honor to serve you. Uh, it's the best, best state in the country, so uh, thank you, sir. All right, thank you. That is Colonel Heston Silbert, the director of DPS, until Friday, 34 years in law enforcement, stepping down from the job as Governor Hobbs wants to move in a different direction. Just a little chance to talk with him. Coming up, Gatos joins me. It's a big Q poll question of the day. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, Happy New Year, Gatos. Oh, no. No? Oh, no. You sound terrible. I know. I got. A, I brought a cold back from Florida. Uh, 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 I, uh, yeah, but I got to use that same microphone today. I'm not contagious. I called my doctor. It's not oh, COVID. No, I'm not contagious geez. anymore. So. Oh, my gosh. I'm staying home. But I have put my hands all over every piece of equipment in here just in case I can get you sick. Oh, geez. Well, welcome back, my friend. How was your, uh, your Christmas and New Year? It was great. I spent it with my family and friends in Florida. I got to see old high school classmates, you know. 
Relive the glory days. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. that's good, man. And you just got back because you didn't because uh, who was in yesterday? Uh, t- uh, Salmon. Yeah, our buddy Sa- Matt yeah. Salmon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I got to show you pictures of the hurricane damage. Three months after the storm, how devastated Fort Myers Beach. I drove down to Fort Myers Beach. It is, I can't even explain to you how crazy the damage is. I'm going to post some pictures, but I'll show them to you. I mean, people have moved back into their homes and stuff. Some of them, but some of the homes are gone. I mean, they're just completely, some of the resorts are gone. I mean, it's just devastated. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're doing that because you know what happens when, um, hurricane, you know, the media goes down there and they cover it and then, and then you don't see anything. Yep. You know, we always move on to something different. We've got a detention span of whatever. And, you know, we always move on to the next story. And I always wondered how it was going down there. And I know that some people had their house flattened for sure. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to. I'm not looking forward to. I know what you I've mean. I've been interested in in knowing what happened down there. Yeah. All right. So, what do you but, got for a question? I got less than a minute. All right. Uh, your voice just cracked there. Did I know. You I know. Okay. I know. Uh, Desert Ridge. <laughs> Desert Ridge Mark. Come on, it's your first day back. I got to bust you on something. <laughs> Desert Ridge Marketplace and Tempe Marketplace have gotten licenses that allow you to drink alcoholic beverages while shopping. Uh, I'm asking, will you liquor up while shopping, yes or no? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yep. Yeah, 100%. You and I should go shopping and have a couple of, have a couple of uh, uh, you know, uh, drinks. And yep. yeah, There's nothing like shopping with a buzz. It's a date. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Gatos. See you, man. <laughs> the BQ Poll Question Day brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers.